you have with wicked hands crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosened the pains of death, because it would not possibly to be holding of it. But David speaking concerning him, I besought the Lord always before my face. He's at my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore was my heart glad. Moreover shall my flesh for I rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither will I suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou will make known the means of life. Amen. I will make full my joy with thy contest. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his serpent with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with the oath that to him, with the fruit of his loins, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He sinned this speak of the resurrection. Amen. But David is not ascended into heaven, but he himself said, the Lord said to our Lord, sit down my right hand till I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, nor assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they was pricked in their hearts and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. With many other words did he testify and exalt, said, Save yourselves from this untowards generation. And they that gladly received his word was baptized, and they was added to them the same day about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfast. And the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Amen? Praise God. So that was Peter's introduction. Now, Peter, writing his epistle, and we've already uh, looked at this a little bit, and we see that the main theme of Peter's writing here is to teach us about victory over suffering. Because the church and the members of the church, we're going to go through some things in our lives. Amen. You're going to realize that there's an enemy. We are in the Lord's army. And so, therefore, there's always going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight. And so, therefore, we're going to go through some things. We're going to have to learn how to suffer and endure hardness, Paul says, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Knowing that we're going to go through things in our lives is key and essential that we put on the whole armor of God. Paul right into the church at Ephesus in the 6th chapter. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And having done all you can do to stand, stand therefore, having your Lord girded about with truth and heaven on the breastplates of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there too with all prayers and events for all the saints. Amen. We have to prepare ourselves. So Peter is letting us know. And so in the fourth chapter, of First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But he says, Rejoice. So when things start coming against you, it's not time to regress. It's time to praise God. 
It's time to get into the mindset of lifting up our voices and magnifying the Lord. The Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So we got to get into the habit of praising God. Now, last week we ended here. We was in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 13, Peter tells us, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fastening yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which is called you is holy, be you also holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So Peter is a look, you're going to go through things. Excuse me. So you need to readjust your thinking. <coughs> Excuse me. You're going to have to think differently. You cannot continue to think the same old way that you always thought. As the old saying, if you always did what you always done, you're going to always get what you always got. See, so you got to change your way of thinking. You can't think worldly as a Christian. You cannot think the way of the world and expect Christian results. You're going to always get negative from the world because it's evil. Amen. So you have to realize you have been called out of the world as a Christian to what? Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him which have called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light. So you are to reflect Christ in your life. Amen. You have to let people be able to see Christ in you. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. He says, you don't buy a candle and put it on a bushel basket. Amen. You set it on a candlestick so that it gives light to everyone in the room. So he relates you to being a candle so that when you come in the places and this world is dark, you are supposed to light it up. Amen. People are supposed to see Christ in you. If you say you're a Christian, if you say I'm born again, then you should be able to reflect Christ in his character, in his nature, amen, and his life should be in you. Jesus says, I will be in you. So God's character should be revealed in you and I if we say that we are Christians. Amen. We call it the fruit of the Spirit, but if you stop and think, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance, amen, these things should be revealed in us. So Peter says here, Curd up the loins of your mind. You gotta think differently. Paul says in first uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, you've got to change the way you think. Paul, right into the church at Philippi in the second chapter and fifth verse, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be weak with God, and made of himself no reputation. Amen. So you got to get the mind of Christ. How does Christ think about these things? You want to have his mind in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. See, so I can't think the same way. The ignorance, Paul calls it, of my lust, my passions and things for the world, i got to let that go. See, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Amen. Abraham looked for a city which had foundation, whose builder and maker was God. That's why when you read the faith chapter in Hebrews 11, that's what it said. By faith, amen, they sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. Amen. Because they had respect to the recompense of the reward. Moses had respect. It was easy. Moses was, was in line to be the next Pharaoh. But he chose to suffer with the people of God to, to do the pleasures of sin for a season. See, so Peter is saying, look, you're going to suffer. People are going to ridicule you. People are going to say all matter of evil falsely against you for Jesus' sake. So get your mind right. You know, oh, they don't like me. Really? You think the devil like you? Amen. You got, he's your enemy. Oh, the people at school don't like me. Really? If they ain't in church, what do you expect? You know, you're light against darkness. See? So you have to realize you're going to go through some things. So when you're rejected, when people say all matters of evil falsely against you, Jesus said, for my name's sake, he said, rejoice. Because you're becoming a partaker of Christ's suffering. No, as I said early in the lesson, you might not be nailed to a cross. You may not be pierced in your side. But when you're being rejected, when people are saying all matters of evil falsely against you, that's a form of suffering. You're going through some things. Most of us, we want people to like us. We we like for people to like us. We like for people to accept us. But everybody ain't going to do it. And the quicker you figure that out... (laughs) the better off you're going to be. See? So we have to get our mind set, transformed, Peter says here. But as he which is called you is holy, be you also holy in all manner, or all conversation, or in all manner of your behavior. Holiness is no more than being separated and set apart for God's use. See? And so, therefore, you're set apart for God. And this is what you're striving for now, is to become more like God. Amen. You, if I'm going to have the, 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 the mindset of God, and then I've got to start acting like God. See? His word, his nature, his character, it's got to be in me. See? If people cannot see Christ in me, then what am I reflecting? See? What am I reflecting? See, when I got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins, what does Paul says in Romans 6? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Says, God forbid. No way. I buried the old man. Amen. 
That's what you're doing. When you repent of your sins, you're dying to the things of this world. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you're washing the old life and old sins out of your life, Paul says in Romans 6, so that we are resurrected to walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Say. That's why he goes on there in that sixth chapter of Rome, uh, Romans. He he says that sin shall not have dominion over you. You don't you now you your members as instruments of sin. You yield your members as instruments of righteousness. Your hands are supposed to be used in a righteous way. You know, your feet is supposed to be used in a righteous way. Your thoughts, your eyes, everything. You're not supposed to be sitting there, you know, uh, flipping through porn and all this kind of stuff. You're born again. See? And the old flesh is going to want to pull you back. So you're going to have to make yourself suffer. This says, I'm not doing that. Because the flesh is going to keep pulling. The flesh is going to keep tugging. See? But be of good cheer, Jesus says. I have overcome. And if he's overcome, and he's in me, then I'm supposed to be an overcomer. Amen. So, he's calling us to be holy. So, don't think the same old way. Renew your mind. Because God wants you to be righteous. See, and in order to do right, you got to make up your mind. The same way you make up your mind to do wrong, you've got to make up your mind to do what is right. If you're going to be righteous, it's not hard. You just got to think. If I know I got to go to work the next morning and got to be there a certain time, what do I do? I think I better set the alarm clock, right? <laughs> so I'm on time. You know, they have a name for people that don't love work called unemployed. <laughs> so, so, so you, you've got to rethink this thing here. So Peter goes on here. He says, and if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judge according to every man's work, verse 17, pass the time of your sojourning or your labor and here in fear or respect to God. So notice what he's saying here. If you're calling on God who don't respect anybody, God is no respecter of persons. He don't care if you're black, white, green, yellow, you know, he's going to judge everybody the same way. That's why James says in James 2, 89, he says, If you fulfill the law, royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to person, you're, uh, he goes on and says, you are, are identified as a transgressor. See? Because if you have respect to people, you know, you're a sinner. Because you can't have the mind of Christ. Because God is no respecter of persons. See? Yeah, I thought it was interesting here a few months ago. Everybody was, all the church and everybody's talking about racism. What, what's, what's going on with that? Church should have been talking about that ever since it's been incepted. <laughs> you know, how are you going to talk about Jesus Christ and not touch on that subject and get people's mindset? 
You know, it, 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 it just blows my mind sometimes, some of this stuff. You know, that's a given. If I got the mind of Christ and he's no respecter of persons, then I've got to love everyone. I think that the, the commandment was, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and mind and soul and strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophet. Did that just get written in 2020 and 21? It's been in the book ever since I've been in the church. Amen. And I think they, it says this thing was written like 1614 or 1611, the King James Version. But I think God gave it to Peter and all those guys way back over 2,000 years ago. So where did the church go wrong? Amen. So <laughs> we got to get this thing right. Be you doers of the word, James says, and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, so we've got to go on here unto perfection. He goes on in verse 19, but with the, I mean, excuse me, verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. When Jesus, John the Baptist, see Jesus coming, and John writes in John chapter 1 verse 29, he says, John sees Jesus coming unto him, and John says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the whole world. Amen. And so we see, you was not redeemed with silver and gold. George Washington's, Abraham Lincoln, and uh, all those other guys, Hamilton's, and all that did not buy your salvation. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That precious blood of Christ. Praise God. It is valuable. It is more valuable than anything. And that's how we were redeemed. Amen. And when Paul write into the church, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Amen. Christ died for us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. He was willing to die that we might live. As the scripture says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. The writer of Hebrews in the 11th chapter, in the faith chapter, tell us that Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. Amen. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten Son, and whom it was said that in Isaac shall the promise be given. Accounting that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which he had received him in a figure. Isaac being sacrificed on Mount Moriah was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Amen. The begotten son. Praise God. And we know the story of Abraham as he was ready to kill Isaac. Amen. He hears the voices, Abraham, Abraham, touch not the lad. And Abraham looks around and in the thicket there's a ram. Amen. And he takes and he sacrifices that ram. Amen. And Christ is type and shadow of that ceremony on Mount Moriah. Praise God. Amen. So it's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
You know that old song we sang, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain. I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. Praise God. Without the shedding of his blood, there is no remission of sins. That's why you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why Peter says in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. What? For the remission or the removal of sins. And you shall receive the gift. Of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. So, Peter is trying to enlighten us here. He says, God is holy, so now you've got to be holy. And the way you're going to get there is change the way you think. Amen. The writer of Hebrews 12, 14 says, Follow peace with all men, and holiness without shall no man see the Lord. Amen. We've got to have peace and we've got to have holiness because God is the Prince of Peace. Amen. I think that's what Isaiah 9, 6 says. Doesn't it? Unto us a child is born and a son is given. The government should be upon his children. His name should be called Wonderful Counsel, the, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. And as Isaiah says in Isaiah 26, 3, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon on him because you trust in him. Trust in the Lord Jehovah for the Lord Jehovah is an everlasting strength. Amen. So you got to have peace in your life. And that's what God gives us. The Holy Ghost, it came with peace. So if your life is all tormented and up and down and all that, where is the Holy Ghost? You're not supposed to be all up and down like a roller coaster and round and round. He keeps you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. See, so if you are up and down like a roller coaster, check your thinking. Because you're not focusing on Christ. You're focusing on your circumstance. You're focusing on the situation more than Christ. Cast all your cares, Peter says, First Peter 5, 6 and 7, on him, for he careth for you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. You shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. What's the rest? Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. With stammering lips and another tongue will he speak unto his people. Wherefore he said, this is the rest which shall call the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, but they will not hear. Jeremiah six sixteen. the Lord says, stand ye in the old and ask, where is the good way? Where is the old path? And walk therein and you will find rest unto your soul. We've got to get back to the basics. Get back in the path. What did we just sing? Show me thy way. Lord, teach me thy paths. Amen. I want to be in the right path. Think Solomon said, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So I want God to keep me in the right path, and he will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed upon him. 
Amen. So we're, we're not redeemed with, with George and all those guys, silver and gold. We're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now notice what the writer here of Hebrews chapter 10, real quick. Let's run right there, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to start, uh, excuse me, verse 20, uh, let's go with 26. 26 and I read down to 31. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remain no more sacrifices for sin. See, I notice what he said here. Once you are born again to sin, you have to go out and do it. (laughs) Because you repent it and put the old man away, right? So now you're the new man. So if you are sinning, you're forcing yourself to do it. You, you, you remember what Saul told Samuel when he asked him, what in the world have you done? You know what Saul told Samuel? He says, I forced myself. He forced himself to do what he knew he should not have done. See? And that's what gets us Christians in trouble. The Holy Ghost checks us when we get ready to do wrong, but we force ourselves. Now, the writer says, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifices for sin. Jesus isn't dying anymore. He was the sacrifice for sin. We can't bring him up from the grave. We can't bring him down from heaven. So you're going to have to get your mind right and realize I can't keep doing wrong. Because as Christians, God is not only holy, God is righteous. And righteousness is the white linen of the saints of God. I hear people say it all the time. Oh, everybody sin. Really? You ain't everybody. So you've got to adjust your thinking. Amen. Let this mind be in you. Jesus Christ was what? He had no sin. And neither was God found in his mouth. See? So we have to get into the mindset of thinking totally different here. Amen. Yeah, I know the scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But in that same chapter, what did he tell you verse 23 is? The wages of sin is death. See? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. God has came that I might have life and that more abundantly. So I don't go out and sin willfully. Granted, if the enemy throws something up, you know, and and it, it causes me to deviate a little bit, I can repent. I can repent of my sins and, and change my direction. But I just don't go out there and do it. Just to be doing it. You know? So we have to be aware of this. Amen. 
So, for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no more uh, sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking, verse 26, of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversary. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much more so punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who have trotted underfoot the blood of the Son of God, and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and have done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that have said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Amen. Notice, it's fearful. See, so when we go out and, and we sin, it's, it's like, uh, I just walk on, on, on top of Christ. He shed his blood. It was the precious blood. Amen. It was not silver and gold that purchased you. It was the blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. So, amen. Don't just go out there and say, oh, I got to forgive me. You know, Solomon says, if uh, you sin a hundred times, live to be a hundred years old. He said, you're still going to have to pay the price. There's no sin. If you dance to the piper, you're going to have to. What is it? If you. How does how does the old saying go? If you there you go, yeah, he knows all that stuff. <laughs> Praise God, Amen. So, verse twenty one, First Peter one twenty one, who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory. That your faith and hope might be in God. Where's your faith and where's your hope? We're saved by hope, right? Romans 8, 24. We are saved by hope. The hope that is seen is not hope. For if a man see that which you hope it for, what are you hoping for? Amen. See, we're saved by hope. We have an anchor of hope, which is sure and steadfast. Jesus Christ. Amen. He is our hope. And Peter goes on here, verse 22, says, Seeing you have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we are born again by the word of God. Now notice what Peter is saying here. Seeing you have purified your by obedience to the truth. Isn't it amazing how obedience to the Word of God is so vital to our lives as Christians? You have to obey God's Word. That's why James says in James 1, don't just be a hearer. You've got to be a doer 
of God's Word. You've got to obey. You remember what Samuel told Saul, amen, in Second Sam, uh, First Samuel chapter 15, when Saul did not go in and kill all the Amalekites and kill all the animals uh, the way that God told him to do it, amen. And when Samuel came to him, he Saul says, he says, why have you not done what God told you to do? Sam, Saul says, I have done it. And Samuel says, if you have done what God said, then why am I hearing all these sheep lowing and, and bellowing in the, the valley? God told you to kill everything. And why is the king still here? So Samuel tell him to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of ram. For stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft. And iniquity as idolatry. Amen. We've got to obey. God's word. That's how we get become pure. That's how we become holy. Amen. If we're not going to do what this says, guess what? You're going to miss the mark. Thy word, David says, Psalms 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. We've got to be pure. Pure minds, pure hearts, pure thoughts, holiness, righteousness, the attributes, the nature, the character of God in our lives. Amen. God has got it all together for us. And we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the word of God. That's what John says in John 1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The Word, the Logos, the thoughts, the plans, the action, amen, of God. What was it? And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Jesus praying in the garden and John seventeen seventeen said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. He tells the story in Luke 8 that a soil went forth to sow seed and some fell by the wayside and some fell among the thorns and some fell among rocks and some fell the good, among good ground. And, and when he told the parable, amen, he begins to relate it and he says to start with the seed is the Word of God. Amen. And we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible. Amen. Jesus Christ. We are born again of Jesus Christ. The incorruptible seed. And that's why Paul, writing to the church of Galatians in the third chapter, he says, for as many of you has been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female for you. You are one in Christ. And, and if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promises. Amen. Born again. Amen. Obedience to God's word will produce purity in your life. It will produce holiness 
in your life. Obedience to God's word will cause you to love God more than anything else. It will cause you to fulfill the golden rule to do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Amen. The word of God is designed to make you just like Christ. Amen. But you've got to do what it says. Amen. Praise God. Well, for me, for me, for me, there's a mansion there for me in glory land so 